think we're ready. We're going to be able to pick that up if we can hear it with you making noise. Like you're really fucking loud. Oh, we're going. We're going now. This is all on the record. Sean. Oh, wow. Holy shit. Oh, man. Wow. Now Sean is being mean on our podcast. This, Sean, this isn't your podcast. This, this is, is this is our podcast. This is this is the different. paper review for the go home show. Brian, this Brian, this is our podcast, and Sean's over here trying to run it like it's his podcast. Oh, tell us where we're drive. Tell us, tell us when we're live. Oh, we're live from Dallas, Texas. Mega sixty four. That's what you think it is. But we would like to thank everyone at Mega sixty four for hosting our file graciously. Sean, apologize into the microphone. You're welcome, and I did not know you were actually recording. And I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Theme song. What the fuck? <laughs> Go home. Go home. Go home. Hey guys, and welcome to the Go Home Show. It's our first episode of our paper review show. Uh, I am Eric Badur. I'm here with Brian Abushakra. Brian, how are you? I'm doing very good. That's great. How uh, How's your day been? It's been good because we went out and got a couple beers. That's good. And now we're drinking some delicious coffee. Yes. Uh, thanks to Brian, even though it's probably 90 degrees in the studio mm-hmm. that we're in currently. We're having hot, hot, hot coffee. I am sweating. I actually am sweating. Oh, it's super hot. Um, <laughs> again, thank you to Mega64 for hosting our file. But this is the Go Home Show, not the Mega64 podcast, as Sean would like to have you know. Uh, <laughs> our first paper review show. Uh, so exciting. This is very cool. We're recording this on a Friday because I'm going to be out of town when this actually goes up. So when you guys listen to this, I hope on Wednesday or whenever it goes up, uh, I will not be in town. So this is our little uh, come up. It's for, hey, I will not be here, but you still get a podcast. So we are reviewing WWE <laughs> No Mercy 2003. Yep. Uh, to be fair, we put the call out to people. We said, hey, what pay-per-view do you guys want us to watch? We did get responses, and they were very good responses. Very good. But me and Brian had watched WWE No Mercy 2003 like a week before we had talked to people about it, and it had fit so well yeah. into what was coming up for WrestleMania that we really wanted to like sell Like, yeah, okay, we're going to do this. Yep. We're going to do this. Now, WWE No Mercy 2003 was a SmackDown-only pay-per-view. Yes, back when there was the brand division. There was a brand split. If you guys aren't familiar with a lot of professional wrestling prior to how it is now, Mm -hmm. uh, for a few years in the 2000s, Raw and SmackDown were their own separate shows in the sense that Raw superstars didn't go on SmackDown and SmackDown superstars didn't go on Raw. Uh, They were divided to give more time to a big roster after the invasion. Yeah. Uh, You had a lot of WCW guys, a lot of ECW guys, uh, whose contracts didn't really get picked up, but then a few of them did. And you saw a lot of them on this Uh, pay-per-view. This was was a time in wrestling where I was kind of, we were still watching. Uh, We were actually watching pretty heavy. And then right after this, you know, a couple years after, like we kind of fell off. Uh, This was a time when you had like, a lot of young up-and-coming stars, mm-hmm. a cruiserweight division, yeah, and like the old pros who were just so awesome, yeah, for like this period of time. Um, I mean, this pay-per-view, even if you were to look at it now, if this was a branded like both brands pay-per-view, it was really stacked. It was the Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, a really young John Cena. Which was weird. Uh, Brad Shaw in the APA before he was JBL, which is funny because he has that JBL haircut. Yes. So it's right around the time when he was turning. Uh, it had a McMahon versus McMahon match 
Uh, it had The Big Show. It had Eddie Guerrero. There were a lot, a lot to Jerry Rey Mysterio. A lot of people on this card. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. A-train. Oh, man. Uh, a lot of people on this card that uh, if you were to put them on a pay-per-view now, I feel like people would go, oh, okay, that, yeah. that's interesting. They were bigger names, especially mm-hmm. for that time. Uh, so I hope a lot of people out there watched it, uh, judging by the response that we got. There were quite a few people who did watch it. And um, thank you to all the people who sent their uh, responses in for this podcast and everything. Uh, we will be reading them after we go through our review of the show. We'll read your guys' stuff on air because we, we really want to hear what you have to say about all this. Uh no Mercy, 2003. Uh, the main event was a biker chain match for the undisputed WWE Championship with the uh, champion Brock Lesnar against uh, The Undertaker. That was the sell. Yeah. If you were, do you remember watching, because we watched it this time, do you remember this feud at all? The between, Undertaker, no. Brock Lesnar. No. It, it felt kind of interchangeable at, at a time, especially when Brock Lesnar was champion. Yeah. Where he was kind, I mean, he was a heel champ, I guess. He's never been face, has he? No, he was for a short time, and I don't think it really, he's just a natural heel. Yeah. Um, He's too, yeah. I I don't remember ordering this pay-per-view. I don't remember ever really seeing this pay-per-view. I remember seeing a couple matches from it. Uh, Before this, I had seen the Tajiri-Rey Mysterio match. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I'd seen the Kurt Angle-John Cena match, and uh, I think I'd seen the Vince McMahon against Stephanie McMahon match. But uh, other than that, like, can you think of anything that, like, you had seen from this pay-per-view? This, Nothing, this right? This was just before I got back into wrestling. Mm. Like, I want to say this was about the time when I found out. I mean, I think I knew that you always liked wrestling. Yeah. But I didn't know that you liked wrestling as much as I well, know you like wrestling now. In 2003, we were juniors in high school. Right. Or just... No, I guess we just started seen, just, just started being seniors, I think. Because th- yeah. this was, I think, in October... Uh, let me check. I think this was an October pay-per-view, and uh, it's really— it, it was late enough that it that it had the WrestleMania 20. O- October 19th. Yeah. October 19th, 2003. So, yeah, we had just started our senior year of high school. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty weird. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think this was a time when we started hanging out a little bit, and, uh, yeah, this was, like, really right before we started hanging out, and mm-hmm. I, I was watching really heavy— I had a whole corkboard wall in my room filled with wrestling posters. I remember that I had stuck up there. They were awesome. Yeah, for that I got from like magazines and stuff. I and was I was that kind of cool yeah. high school kid. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I don't. I did not order this pay per view. I never mm-hmm. ordered pay per views. Sometimes we would go over to our friend Chris's house and watch them on his black cable box. Yeah. So we could see like oh WrestleMania and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But this was a time when a lot of people had how do you put this grown up or gotten girlfriends and I did <laughs> not. Uh, so I was still watching pro wrestling as I am now. And, uh, so let's, let's dive in to, uh, the the incredible pay-per-view of WWE No Mercy 2003. Our opening contest was Tajiri against Rey Mysterio. It was a singles match for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship, Mm -hmm. which had merged with the Light Heavyweight Championship during the invasion. So now there's one belt, one Cruiserweight Championship, it's only on SmackDown, mm-hmm. and it's only for 220 pounds and under, or I think 230 pounds and under. Um, this match was really, really awesome. Yes. It, I thought it was really cool to see Tajiri as a heel. Uh, With the black I, mist. Yeah, I thought it was— re- This was right in the middle of him doing that heel kind of run where he was doing the black mist on people, which I guess was different from the green mist because it was black. Black is uh, bad. They had shown a replay of him spitting it in Nydia's face when she was with Jamie Noble. 
uh, who would later wrestle as James Gibson in the Independence. That's uh, right. Where we saw him in uh, we PWG. Hung, we hung. We saw him and hung out with him in PWG. Really yeah, nice guy. Yeah. Uh, so this match was a lot of back and forth, really great cruiserweight action. Uh, this is the stuff that you really liked and expected from SmackDown in mm-hmm. this era because mm-hmm. it had the guys, they could kind of showgate. SmackDown was the brand that had the more wrestling. Yeah. Uh, it didn't have the storylines that Raw did, but honestly, I don't think Raw was as good of a show. No. Uh, Storyline-wise or wrestling-wise, I don't think it excelled at mm-hmm. either thing. Uh, it was honestly kind of a... I really didn't watch much Raw as much as I did SmackDown. Really? Uh, yeah, it, which is funny to say now because Raw is such the main show and SmackDown is such the B show. Absolutely. But uh, it's always been that way. Raw was always the main show. Yeah. But, but SmackDown, I thought, was a way better product. Uh, even now, it's more of a wrestling program mm-hmm. as Raw is like the, oh, storylines, keep going, whatever. Right. So th- that was different. But this match I thought was really cool. It had a, a much younger, much thinner Rey Mysterio before yeah. he got all the tattoos all over like the stomach and everything. Yeah. He's flying around. He had the much thinner pants, mm-hmm. the white pants, the white mask with the closed off in the back and everything. Yeah. It's again really cool to see Tajiri as a heel. Um his, great wrestler. His, his run in ECW was awesome when he was heel and like you know people liked him stuff like that, but we were talking about this when we watched the pay-per-view. Would you say that Tajiri is the most successful Japanese wrestler in America of all time? I would say so. I, I can't think of I can't someone, think of another name. And you can say stuff like, okay, Ultimo Dragon. But I'm saying mm-hmm. his run in America wasn't nearly, I think, as successful as Tajiri was. It didn't have the length. It, it didn't necessarily have the fan appreciation. Uh, he, when I think Japanese wrestlers and guys who like really made it, I mean, Tajiri, Tajiri. was a mainstay yeah. for such a long time. Had a huge run in ECW, and then had a really big run in WWE. Yeah, Through maybe the he wasn't. Era, yeah. like he was around well, for well, a while. Maybe, maybe he wasn't the main guy. Maybe he wasn't the main event guy or whatever. But as a solid mid card performer, yeah. I thought he got big crowd reaction everywhere he went. Uh, I thought everything he did was really clean in the ring. You never had to worry about him being kind of out of line or anything. No, he was a great performer. So I would I would dare say that he was the most successful Japanese wrestler I'd agree in America because I can't think of another name. No, and and that's the thing is that it's it's kind of weird and they brought in people since and and yeah. uh, even on SmackDown there was a guy Kenzo Suzuki. I remember Kenzo yeah, Suzuki. Yeah, he was around for a little bit and then went away. And I think why Tajiri worked mm-hmm. is because his gimmick wasn't that he's Japanese. No, he was not at all. He was the Japanese buzzsaw, but his gimmick is that he kicked. His kicks, yeah. his kicks were crazy, yeah, great, and yeah. he was he was like this mysterious guy. It wasn't just like, oh, look at this Japanese guy. Yeah. So I th- I thought that's kind of where he gets a lot of his longevity. He was different. Yeah. Um. So th- this match goes the back and forth. A lot of um, I think Rey Mysterio hits a six one nine on a standing Tajiri, and mm-hmm. then goes for West Coast Pop, which was the the Hurricanrana. Yeah. But Tajiri counters it into a power bomb. Uh, at, a, at one point, Rey Mysterio hits a moonsault off the Tom Turnbuckle. He hits a springboard DDT. Mm-hmm. A lot of cool back and forth really, stuff. Really, really cool. Tajiri's uh, kicks on point, mm-hmm. as always. Uh, the end comes where it looks like Rey Mysterio is going to win with the West Coast Pop. And then out of nowhere, there's interference from the crowd, and these two guys in black suits come. Mm-hmm. But the camera angle was kind of weird on it, and you didn't really know why, like what was happening. Yeah. And it wasn't really explained, and they didn't really show who like these guys were. But Tajiri uses the distraction. Gets the kick on Ray, on Rey Mysterio, the mm-hmm. buzzsaw kick, and that's that's the end. Uh, at the beginning of that match, Brian Hebner checks Tajiri's mouth for the black mist. That was very funny. <laughs> uh, my only comments for this match is that great cruiserweight action, 
Uh, and Tajiri is so animated as a heel. Yeah. He is so animated. His facial expressions and yeah. everything. I is, love, he I, just works so well. I love him in ring. He has a good ring presence. He knows where he's at. He knows, like, he knows how to move. It reminded me of uh, the way he moved in the ring reminded me, uh, or I'm sorry, Randy Orton mm-hmm. reminds me of the way that Tajiri moves in the really, ring. Really clean, kind of snaky. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Like, really slithery, like at, at Elimination Chamber when he had to kind of, like, back out of the ring mm-hmm. and how cool that looked. Yeah, Tajiri has a very unique kind of look and mm-hmm. a unique kind of movement, and, and so I, th- I thought that was a good match. It was a great uh, way to start. What do you think about bringing back a Cruiserweight title? Because pe- especially on the internet, you'll get a lot of people going, bring back, we got to have a Cruiserweight division. What do you think of that? I see, the, I see both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's definitely... I think you need to have a title like the U.S. Championship represent the cruiserweight title, uh-huh. but not necessarily actually have the name cruiserweight mm-hmm. because it puts a ceiling over those people who are 220 pounds that, or less. That is an excellent point. That You're absolutely right. I think that if you take the titles that exist already mm-hmm. and you kind of use them in this way without yeah. without really saying like, hey, the U.S. titles for cruiserweights, you kind of have the smaller guys go for it. Use it as like the European Championship, like the real small title right? where – younger guys, smaller guys can kind of go at it, like real fast-paced wrestling action and everything. Right. And then have the Intercontinental title as like that next step up, whatever. I think you can do that. I agree with you saying that if you have a Cruiserweight title, there's a ceiling. Uh, I think that if there was a Cruiserweight title still, guys like Rey Mysterio would have never won never. the World Heavyweight Championship. He would have been stuck ever. there. Daniel Bryan would not be where he is now. Not at all. I, I, I mean, guys who are small, hey, hey, internet, all your favorites are small guys. Mm-hmm. And if you have a Cruiserweight title, you don't necessarily have the push to make those guys your main event for perform- performers because right. those are your undercard guys because they wrestle for an undercard title. Exactly. So... I think what you're saying is a really good point. Have them, oh, the cruiserweights maybe like have like faster pace action for the U.S. title. Exactly. I think that's a great move. That's that's what they do over at TNA, mm-hmm. and that's what I think is a great way to to deal with. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, well, I mean, everybody there's really a smaller person. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have already been taken up by the WWE. <laughs> but you have the X division title, uh-huh. and that's more of a style of wrestling rather right. than a weight class. Right. So you can have a big guy who is willing to like you know like Samoa Joe. Exactly. Yeah be the X Division champion, but you can also have somebody like, you know, AJ Styles. Yeah, or, exactly. You yeah, know. Amazing Red. Yeah. The, the real quick Jerry Lynn, the real quick mm-hmm. guys who are flipping around Jamie and doing Noble. all that stuff. Yeah, you have those kind of guys. And I think putting a weight limit, I think people don't look at it that way. I think, mm-hmm. it, I think when you realize that if you put a weight limit on it, it really kind of hinders guys more than it, more than it helps. Yeah. Um, it, it really just, I think the... I just don't think the benefits are there to having a cruiserweight title, it's, especially when you have two titles and you're already not doing anything. Exactly, with. it'd be it'd be a lot like, <clears throat> and I think this is like a really good way to look at it. It'd be a lot like just having a divas championship mm-hmm. because why give them anything else? Yeah. They're they're in this class and that's it. Yeah, that's an excellent point too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've obviously you having a divas championship means there's a divas division means that they're not breaking out of that. Mm-mm. That is where you stay. Mm-hmm. So you put you put them in a in a glass ceiling situation. Yeah. So. Okay, our next match is uh, Chris Benoit against uh, Prince Albert, A-Train Tensai. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of this match? I thought, what a weird matchup, first of all. Mm-hmm. But that's a testament to how interesting Chris Benoit can be, like, just in any situation. Mm-hmm. That's what I loved about Chris Benoit. He could be high-flying up on the top rope. He could be technical. He could be aggressive. He could be strong. And then he could wrestle a guy who's, like, probably got 100 pounds yeah, on him. Yeah, I, I mean, really look twice his size in this match. Having not seen Chris Benoit matches in a while, mm-hmm. uh, 
he is his body build is so strange and you can't even call it unique because he really does look like uh the dynamite kid Mm -hmm. in the 80s or even davy richards now where it is very much like short arms all upper body stout legs yeah uh didn't look like he had a ton to him but why they called him the rabid wolverine is and you see this in his match is that he just kind of keeps he's like a dog he just kind of keeps going and going and going and going fighting 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 and i love it um i thought a train looked really good here i Mm -hmm. thought the match was really pretty decent Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it had some cool psychology going back and forth. A-Train was obviously like the bigger guy and used the size to the advantage. So you had Chris Benoit kind of picking him off and taking him out and trying to fight back and fight back and it's not working. And yeah. there were a couple of pretty cool spots. Um, there was one spot that I wish they didn't even show on the replay because it looked fucked up. Yes. I would assume that what they were going for is that A-Train mm-hmm. lifts Chris Benoit over his head in his military press. Oh man. Takes a step forward. And kind of tosses Chris Benoit yeah. in the air. And then Chris Benoit hits sternum first on the chair, which is on the ground. And then, you know, you kind of play like that midsection thing. Right. Instead, uh, A-Train lifts Chris Benoit and sort of. And then Chris Benoit falls. I think he loses his balance. Yeah. Falls face first into that chair and looks like. Bad. Fu- like it's fucked up. Yeah. He dropped six feet yeah. onto a chair. Yeah. And hey, good job by, uh, I think it was referee Jimmy Corderas and A-Train getting right on top of him. A-Train goes for like a choke or whatever. And, and Jimmy Corderas is right there. Like he's going to count. And yeah, it, it's very much like making sure that he's okay, but still keeping within the confines of the match. Mm-hmm. So, so good job there. Uh, the steel chair coming into play was a little strange because I don't think it was a no disqualifications match. I think it was just a singles match. So the hmm. it's not like anyone hit anyone with the chair, but the chair was there. It was. And, and you would think that the referee would take it, especially when, Tens- not Tensai, sorry. When A-Train took it and puts it in the corner. Yeah. And, you know, they leave it there for most of the match until the spot at the end where he goes for the kick, goes through, and then yeah. Chris Benoit goes for the sharpshooter and everything. Um, again, a, a cool match. Chris Benoit gets busted open. And, uh, mouth, yeah. And you hear Taz go, ooh, could be some internal bleeding there. Or it could have just busted his neck. Oh, God. Uh, we, we, me, and Brian, me and Brian talked about the commentary uh, to each other while we were watching this pay-per-view. It's, it's funny because you see how far Michael Cole has come. Uh, Michael Cole, I think, was still fine here. But yeah. you can tell partnering with someone like Taz, where he really has to carry, uh, doesn't necessarily work for Michael no. Cole. It, it's a little bit strange. It's a little funny. He's, he's a little too animated and big. Um, he has to talk over somebody who's just like, I mean, Taz is somebody who's, who you can tell has a lot of energy, uh-huh. has a lot to say. Mm-hmm. That He's a short guy who needs to get a lot out. Mm-hmm. So you have Michael Cole who like recognizes this, and what ends up happening is you have Michael Cole talking over him right. all the time, yeah. because otherwise Taz is going to say something retarded, like, oh, it looks like some internal bleeding. <laughs> is that your Taz impression? Yeah. That was pretty good. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> Uh, hearing Taz and Michael Cole on the commentary team makes me appreciate what Cole and JBL do on SmackDown now. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's like a lot of silence because they go back and re-record it and everything. Mm-hmm. But it makes me think that we're really close to having a commentary team that's really, really good. Th- yeah. Um, we talked about uh, commentary teams through kind of like what WWE is doing. Uh, but, man, the, the three-person... Doesn't work. It doesn't, right? It, it and, doesn't. And now you have guys in WWE who are really close to breaking into like the top and everything like being like the next guys Mm -hmm. like uh the NXT announcers I really like them um it's 
Byron Saxton, and I can't, God for the life of me, it's going to kill me. I think his name is Tim Johnson, and it, it I really hate that I can't think of his name because I think they do a very, very, very good job. They do. On, on NXT, calling the match. I think Brian pointed out, they're like, he's like, they're really close to being really, really good. They're just not quite storyline-wise. Like, you can see them putting things together, mm-hmm. like trying to trying to do what JR did really well, which was take nothing mm-hmm. and put a story around it, mm-hmm. just from what you're seeing, which right. is really hard. Like That's not something everyone can do. Mm-hmm. But what happens is they end up doing a lot of things like, oh, and you've got to ask yourself, can this blank, blank, blank? Or you got to wonder what's going through the mind of, and you hear that three, four times in like one match or in matches back-to-back, and you're like, you have to find different ways to say this. Yeah. Um, and that's something that Mike, Michael Cole does really well now. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he does, he, he has a knack for telling the story and you can mm-hmm. tell on raw, they get distracted. Jerry King Lawler's there and they kind of get distracted and it's a yeah. little wacky. Um, but I had to look it up. Byron Saxton and Tom Phillips. They're great. I, I honestly really like them cause they're a little bit different. They're a little drier. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not as heel in face. Oh, this guy roots for the bad guys. and This guy roots for the yeah. good guys. I think they do superstars or main event. Uh, I think they do a really good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are almost there to being like the next level guys. Um, so hopefully you hear more from them because I really like them. Yeah, I, I think they do. I think they do a cool job. So any other notes from the Chris Benoit A Train match? Other than it's funny to see Tensai yeah as A Train with his big old hairy chest, and it's funny because he has less tattoos. He does, mm-hmm. which is weird. But more piercings, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, aside from Michael Cole having a blazer over a short sleeve shirt. Man, what was that? Hey, okay, we talked about 90s fashion a little bit. Brian took some notes on this, and his two notes on this pay-per-view are Michael Cole is wearing a short sleeve shirt underneath his suit jacket, and the other one is Josh Matthews <laughs> with spiked hair, tiny rimmed glasses, a thumb ring, and like a tight, almost like lycra shirt. Yeah, which was maybe a turtleneck? Yeah, dude, it was rough. It was bad. Night, like, early 2000s fashion. And Vince McMahon's, like, wide, wide, like, sports coat over an unbuttoned black shirt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, that's how I remember Vince McMahon, but, yeah, the 90s really fucked up fashion. I, I think this is where they went to a, uh, like, a backstage promo thing where it was Vince McMahon with an untied shoe. Oh. Like he, he reaches down to like tie his shoe, and, <laughs> and but like he's leaning back and like waiting for like this like the stage manager to cue him, but she cues him like too late. Yep, I assume it. I think I, assume. I, I think they're I think their stage manager just cued him too late. I, 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 yeah. I assume that's what happened. They probably took it way too early. So so he's sitting cross legged. Yeah, and so he they cue him, and then he reaches down and like starts tying his shoe, and it's the shot super low where Linda walks in, and it's the the pullback pan uh-huh. or tilt up shot yeah. of reveal. And then uh it's them it's Linda McMahon going, I know you still love Stephanie and over thirty seven <laughs> years of marriage. I have let your Turn transitions grow. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, this it. stupid thing. So we're watching it. We're watching it with Andrew Douglas and Andrew just goes, Oh man, you think this is how they talk to each other in real life? <laughs> <laughs> and it just makes you go, yeah, what the fuck? Like, nobody talks this. Uh, it was so bizarre. It, it was so funny because both times they introduced Vince McMahon backstage, it was like, it seemed like, oh, man, yeah, you caught me off guard, yeah. right? Yeah. It was him walking into what what I assume was him walking to the arena mm-hmm. 20 or 30 minutes after the show, the show had started. started. Yeah, I think it's after, like, the first match. I think after, like, the really good tajiri Ramis yeah. match, he's like, well, now is my time to come to the arena. Yeah. Oh, who gives a shit about the undercard? Yeah, he just <laughs> happened to catch, like, Josh Matthews happens to catch yeah. him walking through the backstage. And then the next shot is him like, oh, yeah, I should be tying my shoe. Like... It's it's silly. It's really silly, and it's like, 
I think they have this thing where they want to catch it like in media rest. They want to catch it like in the middle. Yeah. They it's like, ooh, oh well, obviously we're backstage, so things are happening backstage. So you yeah. know, people are walking around and people are tying their shoes. We don't 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 we don't need to do it. And it it looks silly and kind of like jarring and weird. TNA does it. Yeah. And it's and it's and it's better because it's more like a, oh, oh what what do we what do we, what do we find? What do we find? Oh, yeah, like we, yeah. But it's like you have this like deep focus that's like really weird yeah because you know I, you know what i think that's just tna trying to do something different and i can't fault them for trying to do something no. different good for them yeah but you gotta find just, that middle yeah. ground though. and it just doesn't work there Mm-mm. so after after the uh funny promo with vince and his wife where you just go oh that's right she ran for senate after this uh <laughs> and did not win twice Ten years later uh you have Matt Hardy, version one. V1. He is backstage and runs into Heidenreich, who is lifting Shannon Moore up against like a pallet of wood. And you're like, oh yeah, remember Heidenreich? Yeah. Matt, little Johnny told me you threw away my tape. And Matt, the best thing Shannon Moore has ever done, which is be the Mattitude follower where MF is written on his (laughs) wrist tape. Hilarious. I love it. Uh, That was my favorite. Uh, You had Matt Hardy going up against Zach Gowan, uh, who had one leg and... Hey, to be fair, interesting match for being as kind of hindered as you are because you can't whip Zach Gowan off the ropes. No. It's not believable to, yeah. watch a guy, to watch a guy hop. Yeah. It's not believable. It would have to be like a short whip, and then it would be like yeah. just so, weird. Yeah, so it's weird. Um, so obviously they start very limited. Mm-hmm. This had Matt Hardy doing his best entrance of all time. I love that Which entrance. is the Matt Hardy t- typing into wwe.com matt hardy version one and then it's loading 10 30 70 100 whoa yeah and then it's him in his windows media player buffery format the two matt facts we got are one matt cannot be grossed out and two matt has been in five car wrecks we watched that and we just kept going that's not something to brag about yeah Five car wrecks? That's a lot of car wrecks. That's terrible. Well, here's the thing. Maybe the five car wrecks are the reason he can't be grossed out. (laughs) Brian revealed to us that he has only been in two car wrecks and can be grossed out. Yeah. I have been in no car wrecks, and most things gross me out. So, the more car wrecks you're in, the less grossed out you would be. Yeah, and if you've been in ten car wrecks, I assume you just can't die. (laughs) So, Matt Hardy came to the ring in his Windows Media Player buffering... (laughs) Uh, with Shannon Moore against Zach Gowan, they put on a really good match. I was extremely for, surprised. For a guy with one leg that when he took off his leg, Andrew Douglas went, oh, I thought that was his, oh, I thought the one he took off was his real leg. Uh, <laughs> and then seeing this match where Zach Gowan was flipping like fucking crazy. Yeah. He was doing like. Flipping to the outside. He was doing like drop kicks. He was doing like leg whips. And then he did a, like a Topi Conhilo where he. It was almost like the way ACH does it in PWG where he kind of like lets that leg kind of trip on the rope yeah. to do the flip. But Zach Gowan just catches the top rope like around like his shin or ankle bone area and then flips onto Matt and Hardy. He's that as the leverage. Matt Hardy cool. did a really good job of selling all the offense Gowan gave him. Yeah. Um, Gowan won with a moonsault that actually looked really, really good. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting that this was a time in WWE where gimmicks were kind of coming back. That's right. Um, you had a lot of guys after this that were like Paul Burchill, where he was a pirate, or uh, Kenzo Suzuki, and he's like Japanese <sighs> emperor. There were like more uh, yeah, gimmicky like kind of wrestlers. Me neither. And Zach Gowan, I felt like, was v- Vince McMahon or somebody backstage went, Well, I heard there's a wrestler with one leg, but fuck it, sign him. Yeah. So they signed him and went, Well, don't we have to have him wrestle shit? 
<laughs> my note from this match is that Zach Gowan wrestled in shorts. Yeah, in he like could, basketball shorts. Yeah, he like couldn't, and and like a shirt where mm. one sleeve was cut off. And Brian went, "Is that like because he has one leg?" Yeah, I mean, there's no other reason. No, and uh, he had a shirt with like a hole in it. It was really fucking weird. Um, good, decent match. It yeah. was fine. Uh, didn't surprising. love it. Didn't hate it. It was surprising. Yeah. Uh, let's see. After that, we had the Basham brothers, Doug and Danny Basham, against the APA. They showed a little, like, oh, look, recently on SmackDown, mm-hmm. it had Doug Basham, I think. It might have been Danny. But Who fucking knows? killing Bradshaw with a chair shot yeah. on the outside. That was the I, one they hit, did unprotected chair shots, you, Yeah, man. it's so weird to see chair shots on somebody's head now. Yeah. Fuck. Jesus. Um, decent match. A lot of offense from both sides. Mm-hmm. A lot of Bradshaw getting in. And, like, kind of fucking stuff up for Farouk because uh, every time he would interfere, the Bashams would, like, double team on Farouk and switch yeah. and back and forth. It had Farouk looking good. It had Bradshaw looking yeah. good. They both looked pretty jacked. The Basham look, the Bashams, I thought, looked fine. I thought they were a pretty good dag team. I never loved them. I never really disliked yeah, them. They, they were, were there. Okay. I thought they got saddled with kind of a shitty gimmick. They did. Um, but I hate any gimmick where it's like, oh, hey, it's the switcheroo. Yeah, exactly. Because it's it, always going to happen. It always happens, and it's so boring. Yeah. And then you know there's going to be one time where the ref catches it. Oh! Yeah. Um, but this was a match where bo- I thought both teams had good offense. Yeah. I thought, honestly, I thought the person who shined most here was Doug Basham. I thought Doug Basham looked so good. Hmm. I think that guy is wasted talent. Hmm. I thought he was awesome. He was in OVW for a really long time. He always... He always was so fucking technical in the ring. I thought he looked so good. I thought especially at that time, he right. could have fit anywhere in that roster on SmackDown, and he would have been great. He could have been a main event by wrestler. Him, by himself. Yeah. I thought he could have been great by himself. I guess that lack of personality? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he just didn't He just didn't stick around after the Bashams kind of went away. Yeah. Which was kind of a bummer, because they had him as a singles wrestler for just a little bit. Which made, reminded me of uh, La Resistance when they went away and Rob Conway. Remember Rob Conway? Oh, the American, yeah. the, the French sympathizer guy who was with La Resistance. That's right. With Savon Grenier and Rene Dupree yeah. around this time. Yeah, Rene Dupree. After they split up, uh, Rob Conway came in and they had him as, uh, the I think, the con man. There's the right way, <laughs> there's the wrong way, and there's the con way. That's stupid. Uh, he had... The be- if you guys have YouTube, whatever, look up Rob Conway's theme song. It was great. It yeah. was awesome. It was ridiculous. I don't remember it, it. It was so like cabaret. Oh, look at me. Oh. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Anytime somebody comes to the ring in like sunglasses that a baseball player would wear, <laughs> y- hey, you're not long for this world. Sorry. <sighs> Your gimmick's just not quite there. Um, oh, but that was a different man for a different time. Well, yeah. And that was an interesting time in wrestling. Like it was still a time where they thought like gimmicks were good. Mm-hmm. It, like, a heavy gimmick was good. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they still try to shoehorn that in nowadays with, like, Alexander Rousseff and, yeah. like, uh, Fandango. It, it it Ultimately, it puts an end date on that person's gimmick. Yeah, yeah you, you have put a glass ceiling on your character. And I understand that wrestling needs gimmicks. Right. But, man, gimmicks sometimes just, they, they get saddled on people. And then even when you cut them loose and it's different, you always just go, like, well, yeah, but he was Fandango. It's like, ah, shit. Yeah. yeah, I guess, yeah, he was on Nongo. Uh, but you have guys also, like, maybe that don't get fair shots and they get, like, a lot of gimmicks. Like, uh, Jimmy Wang, Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy Yang was a guy in WCW who mm. was awesome, flipping around, doing crazy shit, great. Right. Came into SmackDown, he actually made his debut here as Akio. Oh, uh, yeah. He was one of the guys who interfered in the Tajiri match. Uh, he's the one who actually made it to the ring. 
uh, he was in like this Yakuza gimmick mm-hmm. for a while and then left. And then I feel like you saw him a little bit as just kind of like this vanilla guy, like, here's Jimmy Yang. And then he re-debuted as Jimmy Wang Yang, who was a country, he's... he's what? He was fucking... <laughs> He's an Asian guy who loves country, and he came down with like Wrangler jeans, a white like beater, like a cowboy Troy. hat. Yeah, it was awesome. It's like, yeah, it's like that. Um, so yeah, sometimes people just get shitty gimmicks, and it, and it just sucks. Yeah, I, but I feel like once you strip away a gimmick, like when you strip away Daniel Bryan's gimmick mm-hmm. as like whatever it was he was trying to do, like this, like just let them try to be real. That's what indie wrestling is so that's why indie wrestling but is so then at much the same fun. time i really love the gimmicks of indie wrestling there, there's a lot of times where gimmicks yeah. are funny and fun and I, I enjoy them but yeah i i think if i have to see someone week to week instead of month to month yeah i appreciate a more real thing than i do a gimmick because a gimmick's fun for a while mm-hmm. and then you kind of move on and whatever but you can also take away a gimmick so easily in indie wrestling which, yeah that that's true and th- that you are right like human tornado yeah he had like he's a pimp and he had like the slap, and he would backhand you, mm-hmm. and you couldn't you couldn't low blow him. But then that but, gimmick of like pimp kind of went away, and he became he was a heel for a while. Yeah. But he tagged with El Generico after, like you know what I mean. So it worked. Things kind of come and go. I think gimmicks will always be in wrestling. Yeah. But there will always be a need for this guy's from Russia, boo him. Right. This guy is American, cheer him. It, it's there's always a need for the most base level of professional wrestling, yeah. like sportsman showing kind yeah. of stuff. So you always have that. The end of this Basham Brothers APA match right. came with uh, Shaniqua coming <laughs> down. The worst. God, what a fucking joke. Uh, she was like the dominatrix like manager of like the Bashams. It was so fucking I don't, lame. Yeah, I don't even she know came down, about this. She came down, hit Bradshaw with like a whip or some shit. And like then some club, I think. Doug Basham hit his finisher. I can't think of the name, but it is, just so you know, it is Zack Ryder's Rough Rider, his finisher. It looks really sloppy. It's though. like a it's like a leg clothesline. Yeah. Uh, or like a leg lariat, I guess, is what you'd call it. Yeah, Either he kind of like it's, jumps it's, up. It's kind of like a famouser, but the person falls backwards instead of forwards. Yeah. It looks okay, whatever. And then that's the end of the match. When that match ended, Brian watched it and went, what do you think she's doing right now? What yeah. do you think Shanique was doing? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, do you think she's like a fucking CPA or like <laughs> works at Albertsons? Like, what does she do? I honestly have no idea. I think her name is Linda Miles, so you can look it up. I don't know why I remember that, but I feel like she was on Tough Enough. Oh yeah, with Nidia. Nidia was on Tough Enough. Ah, uh, that's why she so, did it because she did not but, have the face for no, WWE. Yeah, yeah, but hey, good for Nidia to kind of shun that kind of. Hey, I was on Tough Enough. Yeah, she had she totally into she the gimmick for a while. White trash with Jamie Noble. Yeah, fucking loved it. I thought that was such a good gimmick for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the end of that match. Next up was the first of your many main events. I hate when they say two main events because it's not true. <laughs> Vince McMahon versus his daughter, Stephanie McMahon. It was an I quit match. Uh, was it an I quit match? For Stephanie. Stephanie could win by pinfall. <laughs> this match didn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> and honestly, when we watched this pay-per-view just hanging out at my house, we didn't know this match was in it. And this made us go... I think we got to do this. Uh, I remember Eric going, you don't want to watch this match, do you? And I went, no, I do. Here's and Eric's like, really? God damn. Look, okay, WWE Network debuted. Everyone's really excited. I don't like bad wrestling. Neither do I. Really? Because you made us watch Stephanie McMahon versus Vince McMahon. But if we didn't watch we did it, this. if we didn't watch it, we wouldn't have reviewed that, it for this show. That's true. And, man, and it was surprisingly entertaining. It, hey, it was because the crowd fucking hated Vince. They were so behind the match, and I was really I was really surprised. Yep. I thought it was going to be a five-minute squash yep. match. Nope. 
it was like it had a it had a lot of room to breathe. It was really interesting. Nine minutes and twenty four seconds. Wow. It went almost ten minutes. Uh, Vince McMahon came down with Sable. <laughs> <laughs> a very uh, plastic surgery oh, Sable. Uh, this was after Sable left and then came back. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie McMahon came down with Linda. It was very weird to see Vince McMahon like punch his daughter, oh, but it was God. very funny. And then, uh, hey, I honestly couldn't help but think of Sean. And I'm like, imagine that Sean had <laughs> to fight his daughter in a pro wrestling ring. There's no way he could punch her. Sean, would you be able to do that? No. You couldn't? You wouldn't be able to Not fake even punch, punch your daughter? Could you grab her by the hair and throw her down to the ground? Could you choke no. her with a kendo stick? No. I could fake punch her if she was like having fun and that If she of was thing. having fun. If she it, was, we she was crying around. and screaming for air. Oh, then no. She was saying, Dad, stop, please. No. Don't, hey, Emma Slayer, don't worry, you're fine. I'm not gonna, Daddy's not going to do that to you. Beckett, you're fucked. <laughs> you said daughter. <laughs> so that match came where... Um, I don't even think Stephanie said I quit. I think Linda threw in the threw towel. Threw in the towel, yeah. It was, it, and then Stephanie was like, Mom, how could you? Whatever. She lost her job It now. was very silly. Uh, after that, we had an incredible wrestling match between Kurt Angle and a very, very young John Cena where the Let's Go Cena, Cena Sucks chant were definitely in reverse from how you hear them today. Really weird. Let's Go Cena, all dudes. Right. Cena Sucks, all kids. Yep. Uh, this was right before Cena's, I think, face turn. Kurt oh, Angle right. was like... Man, what a technician in the ring. So much fun oh, to watch, God. even still. Even I thought he was still. great. Yeah. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, all the German suplexes. I thought, again, this is where John Cena shines. We've said it week and week and week and week and week. John Cena shines when he doesn't have to carry the match, mm-hmm. when he's not asked to be the one who's creative, when he can get in there, have some offense, get right. beat down, come back, get beat down, right. come back. He looks so much better than when he is the main event guy and asked to carry a match. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Angle is a ring general. He's fun to watch no matter what. Yep. I mean, he really doesn't have bad matches. He looks so good here. This was, for me, like peak Kurt Angle. Yeah. Holy shit, you're a monster. He, that's like where he really started being like, he was a machine. A legitimate, like, force. Yeah. And, they, and he was like that for the next, I want to say, at least in the WWE, for the next three years? Yeah, you know what? I think he had started, like, a year before because it was, like, the ruthless aggression kind of thing. Yeah. And and you saw that kind of different... He kind of shunned the goofy gimmick, which was a bummer because I really like goofy Kurt Angle. He's yeah. He's a lot of fun. But that real tough, mean, rug, like, ugh, real tough Kurt Angle... Yeah. ...really had a run where it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, he was a main event guy... I think he he was one of the guys who really benefited from having that split mm-hmm. of Raw and mm-hmm. SmackDown because he could really, really shine as a technical wrestler on SmackDown yes. and really excel and have incredible matches with Chris Benoit, have matches with The Undertaker, Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really, Rey Mysterio, all these guys really, really had incredible matches. I, I And then he had that stable with... Um... Uh, Shelton Benjamin. Oh yeah, and, and, and Charlie uh, Haas. And Charlie Haas. Uh, that, he had. He was with Paul Heyman for a little while. Oh, yeah, would, yeah, it was uh, uh, really. I want to cool. go back and watch like that run. Yeah, yeah, really cool wrestling at a Kurt Angle. A lot of back and forth here. John Cena looked good. Mm-hmm. The end comes where uh, John Cena is gonna punch Kurt Angle with the chain because he's he's the heel. Uh. Yeah, which was weird. Yeah, and then uh, and then the ref takes the chain and then he hits Kurt Angle with the metal and then uh, there's a reversal back and forth and the Kurt Angle puts in the ankle lock and John yeah. Cena taps. Weird seeing John Cena tap. Very weird to see John Cena tap. But again, 10 years will do a lot because when was the last time you saw John Cena tap? There you go. 2003. 2003. (laughs) But you know, I I would love, and I know it's never going to happen, and this is just me being the fan that I am, 
Watching John Cena be a heel like that, he's such a good he, heel. He really is. You know, he's a natural baby face, but I think that if you let him kind of be like real smug, smarmy, yeah. like, fuck you. He had that real like fuck you kind of attitude. Yeah. But he's a lot of fun to watch. With, uh, uh, not Tom Tomko. Uh, what's his name? Tom Tomko! B squared. <laughs> Bull Buchanan. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, that And I thought that was really cool. I, and, and now you can have him sort of like this real stern, like, kind of wall, like, hard hurdle to get over. Like, mm -hmm. John Cena's Superman power is something that could be used as a heel heat. But you can't you can't turn him heel because then the crowd will cheer that he's heel. Yeah. It's it's such a catch-22 that he's in. It's Sorry. Do you, do you think it's gotten to the point, like, where Stone Cold was at, where when they tried to turn him heel, they— No, because I, I think the Stone Cold thing, people genuinely didn't want him to be heel. Right. But with John Cena, people genuinely want him to be heel, so yeah. they're going to cheer his heel turn, yeah. making him face. So, hey, guys— Fucking pick. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Yeah. We, you, we have put ourselves in a corner here because there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, after that match, which was really good, uh, I thought we got a decent match uh, out of Big Show versus Eddie Guerrero for the United States Championship, which was the uh, kind of higher mid-card title yeah. on SmackDown. Uh, the U.S. Championship looking much smaller than it does now. Yeah. Right? Much, much smaller. It's like a real. It's almost wanna, like a kind of a tiny belt. I want to say it's like forty percent smaller. It really, it really looks considerable. Maybe that was just in our heads. Really considerably smaller. No, I, I remember seeing like pictures of it back then. It was a much smaller plate. Mm -hmm. Now it's really big. All yep. the titles are bigger now. They, they do look a lot larger. Uh, so it was big show against Eddie Guerrero. Uh, Eddie Guerrero comes down. He came down in a car, I think. Yes. And when uh, he was Latino Heat. Yeah, and uh, the crowd loved him. Lies he cheats, he steals. Yeah, and. Uh, Big Show, I thought looked okay. Looked slow. Looked real heavy. He was um, fatter. He he. He was definitely fatter. He definitely looks more in shape now. Mm -hmm. I think his singlet, I thought, was so like eh, it was ugly. Was it, he not wearing the same giant singlet that he wears he now? He wears the one. He wore the one strap instead of the two. Oh, I thought he was. I thought that's what he's wearing now. Does he wear one? I thought he wore two. I don't know. Hey, I, I, I couldn't tell you. Don't do not pay attention to Big Show. Uh, again, this match was okay. I thought the dynamic of like. Eddie Guerrero has to beat this big giant, and mm -hmm. then guess what? Doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a really cool run. I, I was honestly really surprised. And that was a run where Big Show had the U.S. Championship for a while, put him in like the upper mid card. I think that's where he wore this U.S. Championship that he would just wear to the ring over one shoulder and like not touch it. I thought it was so cool. He would just set it on his shoulder, right. and like the balance was so perfect that he would like move around, have like his arms up or whatever. Really? Yeah, and it wouldn't move. I thought it was really cool. I liked him trying to put it on after he. <laughs> that was it. Brian pointed that out. I didn't even see that. That was hilarious. <laughs> Big Show trying to put that belt on after he won it. That belt's so fucking tiny on that giant man. It doesn't fit around him. No. Sorry. Uh, He's so, too big. Yeah, that match was okay. Okay. It, I, it was, Big Show matches are never it, great. It was honestly pretty forgettable, especially for yeah. like an Eddie Guerrero match. Uh, whatever. Carried the match, but what do you yeah. expect? Yeah. The main event, Brock Lesnar against The Undertaker in a biker chain match. Um, kind of a weird match. Pretty good. Yeah. I love watching Brock Lesnar sell against big, big guys. Mm-hmm. Me and Brian have brought this point up to each other. If Brock Lesnar loved wrestling yeah he would be the greatest wrestler of all time i agree unfortunately he doesn't love wrestling so he just kind of comes in and does mm -hmm. it and like oh it's a nice paycheck and all right. this stuff the way he sells is so fucking awesome and makes everyone look so good yeah 
He, I, he makes big guys' offense look like crazy. The Undertaker was, like, striking and tossing him around. Yeah. The choke slams and everything. Brock Lesnar, like, balls. He gets so high in the air, balls up. And then when he hits the mat, exp- like, well, yeah. explodes. I love it. It's, it. He has so much spring to him. It's like watching Dolph Ziggler now against anyone. But you don't see such a big person like nope. him, like, who's so built, be able to, like, be but, moved yep, around yep. that much. But it doesn't look like, oh, man, he's getting tossed nope. around. And that's why I really think that if Brock Lesnar loved wrestling, he would be the best wrestler of all time. He, he really he, would. He really, yeah, maybe he can't cut the best promo, but he can make anyone look good in the ring because he can sell their offense and make them look incredible. While still looking amazing. Yeah. Uh, there was a weird moment in the middle of this match where the lights went out. There, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Remember Undertaker starts climbing for, like, the chain and then, like, the lights went out? Oh, yeah. And then came back up and Undertaker was, like, standing, like, ready to fight something. That apparently was not anything in the match. The lights just went out. And then came back up. It oh, was weird. Right. There's also a moment where Vince McMahon punched uh, Brock or punched the Undertaker to get Brock Lesnar. The t- it was so so kind of like dusty finish, weird, and like the Undertaker was like really protected at this time. The Undertaker had a theme song that I totally forgot oh, he had. God. You done it now, Undertaker. Fucking weird theme song. Because it was in between him being Kid Rock American Badass and being back to the dead man. Yeah. So he he had the make make you famous, badass sin, I'm the Undertaker, kick your ass bullshit but stuff. We talked about this while we were watching it, and I and we'll get to uh, mailer questions because somebody yeah. mentioned uh, this, but personally, I think the fact that you can have somebody like the Undertaker go from being the dead man to being the American Badass, I didn't think it was a weird transition. I didn't think he was goofy. I thought it was... Well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. He seems like a guy who would be really into, like, motorcycles and, like, actually own the bikes that he brings down to the ring. I thought it made him look like a bigger guy than he was, mm-hmm. which was weird because he was one of the biggest guys. Yep. And he was so fun to watch, and he had a really cool attitude. I thought his his gimmick and, and like, character at the time was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make him this unstoppable force, yep. but it still gave him that power. Yeah. The... The match was kind of weird, though. It was. Why have a biker chain? Yeah. It seemed so many times that the match was... It, it seemed really labored. Yeah. It, it seemed like they wanted they wanted the match to have the biker chain to to the detriment of the story. Yeah, it really was like... Because, hey, if you'd watched SmackDown at that time, Undertaker came down the biker chain and was like, you know, fighting Brock, fighting Brock Lesnar, swinging around or whatever, yeah. and the crowd liked it, whatever. But it was like the first person to grab the biker chain can use it on the other person. It's like... Or not. Yeah. Well, then why? So that's not the, oh, that's not the end of the match. No. No, it's just they can use the thing. But I feel like they used chairs and stuff in this match too. They did. So why have the chain? Exactly. So it was really kind of strange. Especially because there were two ends to the match where where somebody, like, I think F5 was hit and I think the last ride was hit. And it's like, oh, well, then pin him. Yeah. And then grab the chain and beat him up after the match. Who cares? Uh, We wanted to review this pay-per-view because it's funny to see Undertaker and Brock Lesnar then versus now. Because I honestly thought the match was pretty good yeah. to how you are saying, the detriment of having the biker chain. It's a pretty good match. And you saw, hopefully, what how good Brock Lesnar can make the Undertaker look on WrestleMania. Yeah. Because Undertaker is older. Mm-hmm. He really relies on the person he's fighting to make him look big. And yep. Brock Lesnar can do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've already seen Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. Uh, Brock Lesnar get choke slammed through a table by the Undertaker, and it looked awesome. Yeah. And that made me really excited for their match. Yeah. I feel like if it was anyone else against Undertaker, I'd be kind of like wishy washy. But uh, this really seems like it's going to be a pretty cool. 
little WrestleMania yeah. match coming up. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for it. I feel like we all know what's going to happen. Yeah. But I read a, I read something online once that said that the thrill of Undertaker appearing uh-huh. to defend the streak is more exciting to people than the fact that he you, could actually lose it. Exactly. You know he's going to win, but the fact that Undertaker is here is like, oh, he has, ooh, he's been gone. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, That that's the fun of it. Which I like. Mm-hmm. Honestly, let him... Uh, and I think we said this before on this uh, on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Let him have the streak. Yeah. Never be. Oh, beaten. you know, it, it won't be broken. And it's funny watching this too because they showed like a tail of the tape at like oh, early yeah. in the night. Undertaker eleven and zero at WrestleMania. Oh wow, ooh eleven and zero, which is really impressive if you've never heard twenty one and zero. <laughs> and I just went, Brian, eleven and zero. That's ridiculous. And Brian's like, Yeah, it was ten years ago. Yep. Oh. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, (laughs) there you go. So that was WWE No Mercy. Uh, It was kind of a strange pay-per-view, but it was okay. Uh, It was honestly probably one of the more forgettable pay-per-views, but we wanted to watch it because it is... Sort of relevant. Yeah, yeah, a little bit in like that that mid-2000s kind of WWE. Early mid-2000s. Yeah, it's kind of wishy-washy, especially with the brand split. Yeah. But this... Hopefully you guys saw this and you're like, well, I'll watch some more SmackDown pay-per-views because mm-hmm. there were some decent ones. Let's hear what the listeners have to say because yeah. we told you guys, email us, go home show at mega64.com. Uh, we actually got a few emails from some people who watched it and I know there's some other people who watched it who didn't, uh, who did not write in, but that's okay because hopefully you guys are watching along and everything. Uh, here is an email from Tyler H. Tyler said, here's some, just some random thoughts. Some people mm-hmm. wrote full synopsis. He just wrote random thoughts for match to match. Right. First, uh, to Jerry and Rey Mysterio, he said, a lot of springboards and kicks, but that's not surprising given the wrestlers. Mm-hmm. It was a really good match with a really strange ending. It was a really strange ending. It was ending. a really strange ending. Um, that Chris Benoit A-Train match, he said, hearing A-Train over and over made me realize how dumb that name was. It really was a dumb name. He was supposed to be a train man, I guess. I thought it was funny where it was, whoop, whoop, and he came, he comes out, and, like the air shoots up. Yeah. His thing was that he was a train. I don't, I don't know. know. It's he, he also said, oh, shit, that botched press looks so fucking painful. He said, not a bad match for what it was. Yeah. I agree. Not a terrible match. Zach Gowan against Matt Hardy. Zach's hair looks so fucking stupid. No, Matt Hardy's hair looks so fucking stupid, but I'll always love the version one theme. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Matt Hardy looks stupid as hell. He with always With a shaved does. head. He always oh, does. Oh, it's so weird. I do not like either Hardy's. Yeah. Ring in that, like ring yeah. attire. Uh, he also said, "Pretty boring overall." Cole tried his best to sell the story. I can see how people feel that way. Yeah, it was. You're very limited with someone like Zach Gowan in, as to what you can do in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, next, he wrote about the Basham Brothers against the APA. It's funny to look at how buff Bradshaw is in the match compared to what he looks like towards the end of his wrestling career. I absolutely agree. He looked fucking swole. Yeah, I would like in to this see, match. I, I never saw at the end of his career. I he's saw, he's thinner. He's he definitely is? like not lifting weights as hard and maybe doing like a little more cardio. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's funny because we watched this and Andrew Douglas was like, "Oh man, they're wearing those bicep band things. It makes my arms feel weird." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know because it's like supposed to make your muscles pop. Yeah, and your veins look all big. Yeah, it, and it's like ah, it's like getting." And he, Andrew just told us it's like being, cla- it's like claustrophobic. Yeah. And I agree. It does. It looks really weird. Uh, he also said, holy fuck. No one, holy shit. No one gives a fuck about the Bastions, which was true. Uh, I remember the APA being more entertaining than this. You do because earlier in their career, they, they were. were ass kickers and like enforcers. Exactly. This was to get them back. So, JBL could be JBL. Yeah. The, this was right before JBL turned. Uh, he said, I hate the Basham's gimmick. I hate the Basham's manager. I hate the Basham's theme. I hate the Basham's finisher. I hate the Basham's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You hate the Basham's. Uh, what the fuck is this Basham promo? Jesus Christ, man. You are not hot uh-uh. on the Basham's. Uh, 
So she says she's going to whip it good, and then they high five. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler, I'm so glad you wrote us an email. I'm so happy. I like your email, Tyler. Uh, Okay, Vince, he said about Vince and Stephanie, this is uncomfortable. Linda looks like a middle school teacher. Nothing says I'm going to fight my dad like Stephanie's sparkle pants. I just want this to stop for how awkward this crowd is really into it. The crowd was super into this match. Oh, God. It was really strange. It was really strange. It was like kind of weird. Yeah, it was. But it, it was like chanting. They were chanting asshole. Yeah. It was really bizarre. Uh, about Kurt Angle and John Cena. He mm-hmm. says, I miss this John Cena. I don't miss the, rap- the rapping. He said, not much no. to say. That was a really good match, and both these guys look great. I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Show and Eddie Guerrero. He says, very forgettable. I honestly expected more out of these two. Some people just don't work well together. No. I think Eddie Guerrero's a quick kind of like, okay, I got to get my offense and do like flips and... Big Show doesn't lend himself to that. No. So, well, how do you wrestle a guy who's? It's very, it's difficult, and that's just the way it is. Some guys just don't mesh. That's it. I don't think it's anyone's fault. I think it's just their pairing. And about Brock Lesnar and Undertaker, he said it's nice to see Lesnar without that knife chest tattoo thing. I hate that thing. (laughs) And he also brought up our points. He said, "Why a biker chain? If you can win with a pin or making the guy tap out, why have a chain? Good match. I just don't think I just, I don't think I've ever seen Undertaker in a bad match though." I agree. He doesn't have, honestly, like, bad, bad matches. No. So, uh, not, not that I can no. think of. Some miscellaneous thoughts. Kind of strange having no heel announcer with Taz just calling the moves the majority of the time. It's true. It he, was weird. He really wasn't a heel. It was just him calling it. Yeah. Uh, seeing him again made me realize that Tajiri is one of the most popular Japanese wrestlers ever in the WWE. Hey! Excellent point. That's what we said. Uh, hearing Taz is a nice change of pace, and I feel like he would get old hearing him every week. Don't watch TNA. Uh, I honestly don't even think he calls TNA anymore, but I haven't watched yeah. in a while. Uh, overall, I think it's my favorite, uh, my favorite match of the night was Tajiri and Rey Mysterio, even with the ending. I agree. I think that was the match of the night. Uh, but Kurt Angle John Cena was really good. Overall, the pay-per-view had its up and da- ups and downs, but only three of the matches really stuck out to me. The Cena angle, Taker Lesnar, Tajiri Mysterio. The rest were either bad or just nothing. I agree. So, hey, Tyler, thank you for your email. Our next one's from Dr. Ryan. So I'm assuming most of your emails about No Mercy with the Stephanie Vince match, so I'm going to talk about another match in the pay-per-view, which is uh, Tajiri and Ray Ray. That's really what he wrote. Yep. Uh, Tajiri is one of the most is one of my favorite cruiserweights and really all-around wrestlers. No one delivered kicks better than Tajiri. I always saw the buzzsaw kick is a better finish than a super kick, and mostly the way he sells it. I agree. The slapping of the pants, everything yeah. was really cool. I love that. The, the whole setup, yeah. I thought it was a really cool And we finisher. talked about that a lot, like how his pants were specifically... He, like, wore, he wore Japanese garbage pants. Yeah, and they look like garbage bags, but when you slap them... It's supposed... It's that real... That real yeah. sharp, like, gunshot sound. Uh, plus, the poison mist is always a great move to see. Tajiri always seemed to be... To have an unlimited supply of that stuff, and, <laughs> and he could just stream, stream it for what seems like forever. When guys like Muda did it, it was a quick spurt. Tajiri blew mist like a sprinkler. He really, I, yeah, I agree, yeah. yeah. He, he made it look really good. Yeah. And I always thought he always hit the target, and it always stuck it did. really well. It, it always did. looked it When the match awesome. was over, it always looked really cool. It I, be I crying. Uh, I also love to see this match because uh, Ray Ray at his prime. Again, he wrote Ray Ray. Before the giant killer gimmick, when he was working with guys his own size who could do moves like his. You can't get the same moves out of Big Show as you can Billy Kidman or Jamie Noble. Yeah. I agree. And it... But this was a glass ceiling type thing where exactly. he, really, he couldn't break through. But he had cool matches. He and really and did. I think this was a thing that really pushed him to the next level because he would go, oh, Rey Mysterio, I love that guy. Exactly. Tajiri, and, Tajiri versus Ray was a great match, pitting Ray's high flying, frenetic, 
face paced style against Tajiri's calm, calculated, pick a body part and tear it to shred style. He really focused on the arm a lot in the match. He really, yeah. yeah. A lot of great action from both men. The dusty finish uh, with the debut of Kaiodai, which was what uh, the the Yakuza people right. were called, uh, was a little unneeded, but man, the quick kick at the end of the match. Yeah, that, that was a great kick. Yeah. Overall, this is my favorite match in No Mercy. Good wrestling, good ring story, very entertaining. What were your thoughts? Well, we talked about it. And if you've had time, your thoughts, uh, personal favorite cruiserweights. Uh, Rey Mysterio's up there. Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho. Right. I mean, if you go back to WCW, Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the Ultimo Dragon was incredible. Crash Holly. Yeah, Crash Holly. Crash Holly was fun to um, watch. Honestly, uh, Billy, Billy Kidman I liked mm-hmm. until I started watching younger guys like uh, Paul London and, yeah, uh, Paul London was and a Spanky, great. Brian Kendrick. Yeah. Those were Brian, a couple of my favorite that guys. That tag team, yep. Paul London and Brian Kendrick was Loved one of them. my favorites. Yep. Nicholas wrote us an email. Nicholas R. says, the WWE Network still has some issues in the PS3, so during the Kurt Angle and John Cena match, it looked like John Cena was wearing socks and flip-flops. <laughs> I thought both these guys were going nuts during this match, though. Super energized from start to finish, uh, and I really value that in a match. It's weird seeing John Cena tap, though, because, you know, he never gives up. Right. It's true. That I mean, I, we really felt the same way. Exactly. Rock and Undertaker was a good choice for this since WrestleMania is so close. I feel like a lot of title matches had interference back then, so I didn't really like that part. But I guess it made Undertaker just look good and the suicide dive out of the ring. Yeah. That's there, right. There were there were some really cool spots in that match. Mm-hmm. Nice heel heat to McMahon knocking Undertaker like that. Brock Lesnar sells during the match were good. But and now that I've watched, I'm really looking forward to their match at Mania. Cool. That's what we were hoping for. Because yeah. their match at Mania is gonna, I think, really be It's gonna be a really good yeah, match. It, just because Brock Lesnar can make the Undertaker look so good, I think that's the perfect opponent for mm-hmm. what I assume will be Undertaker's last WrestleMania. He's he's a little long in the tooth, so this would make him twenty two and zero. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think they do you think they stretch it out for a clean twenty five? No, I don't. That's three more years. I really don't think they can. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, because I felt like last year's would have been a great great place to stop. Yeah, I don't know, but hey, I could see this being his last one, and I'd be totally fine. I'd with be that. totally fine yep. with it. Uh, our last email is going to be from Bill M or Lovable Bill. Hey guys. Man, where to begin with No Mercy 2003? First off, I totally forgot the Stephanie and Vince fight, which was just hilarious to watch because of how Vince, how ridiculous Vince is look, how Vince looks at the time. Matt Hardy versus Zach Gowan was special. Me and my wife were just laughing at the ridiculousness the entire time. Zach could really do some moves. He really he, could for a guy really, with one yeah. leg. He was like really moving around the ring. I was surprised he wouldn't wrestle with like the prosthetic. Wouldn't it be easier? I don't know. But like, maybe you can't control it, so you can't wrestle as yeah, well. I don't know. I, I honestly thought that I went into that Zach Gowan match going, Fuh. yeah, but left going, oh, I'm honestly kind of like very much so. It was forgettable, I think, in the long run, <laughs> yeah. especially where Zach Gowan turned into just like fodder for like Brock Lesnar, just getting fucking thrown like yeah. a lawn dart. Yeah, but. Not everyone's top guy? No. That's it. And I thought he did okay. Bill also says, best matches of the pay-per-view to me were Tajirian versus Rey Mysterio and also Benoit versus A-Train. Both of those fights had some great hits and felt utterly brutal at times. Excellent. That's very well written. Yeah, it worded. really did. Namely the Benoit A-Train fight. When Benoit went face first in the chair, it was crazy. Yeah, it was really weird that they showed like the replay of that and everything. Yeah. It's I- like they fucked up that spot, obviously. Yeah. Um, the Undertaker-Lesnar fight was decent, but for me it was hardest... I had the hardest time taking Biker Taker seriously. He wrote Biker Taker. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so goofy and worn out. He he looked he looked a little older. It was just a different kind of offense from him. Yeah. Um. So he looked a little bit different. 
He looks so goofy and worn out, right? The best part of the fight was either when Lesnar pulled off the F5 or when he lifted the Undertaker up when Lefner had the, when Undertaker had the triangle hold on him. Yeah. That was a fucking yeah. cool-ass powerball. I, I didn't want to bring this up because I, I had read this email. Mm-hmm. I, I remember watching it with you, and we were sitting there going like, okay, so he's got the, uh, he calls it, it Hell's Gate. I, I think it was either Triangle Hole or Hell's Gate. It's and, one of the two, yeah. And, and we're like, Eric's like, well, how's he going to get out of it? Yeah. And I'm like, I think he's going to pick him up. And Eric's like, no way, he can't pick up The Undertaker. They're not going to let him do that. And I'm like, but it's Brock Lesnar. And you know what? I think it's because I see The Undertaker now, and it's like, don't please don't powerbomb The Undertaker. He's going to break. Yeah. It, but this was a time where Undertaker was taking bigger bumps and jumping yeah. to the outside. Well, and it was, it was like, 10 years ago. He was, yeah. what, 35 yeah, then? Yeah, so it's different to see that. So, so I, I think it, I think that's what it was. But I totally bought into like, oh, what are they gonna do? How are they gonna get out of this? And it looked awesome it really when he did. hit it. It looked so great. It God, was it was, it was awesome. honestly a moment where I just went like, oh, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. That was very cool. Uh, he said a very a pretty decent pay per view and a great choice for the first book club. Uh, had a great mix of awesome moments, fun matches, cheesy ass story elements. Yeah. So there you go. Those were the emails that we got from people that listened and watched the pay per view. Thank you, guys. Brian, what did you think about the pay-per-view overall? Give it give it an out of 10. An out of 10, I'd put this put this at 6. I was going to say 6 also. Can we get high five on Mike? That was shitty. One more. Hell yeah. 6 out of 10 from both of us. I don't, I mean, we don't really have, who gives a shit what we think? Yeah. But honestly, 6 out of 10 is probably where I'd put it. I thought that there were some decent undercard fights. The main event was cool. Yeah. The first match was like a great opener to it. The che- like the fucking cheesy as hell storyline with Vince and Stephanie was so fucking overdone. Whatever. But that's what you do when you have a brand split like that. Yep. So yep. You you just had time. You had time to fill. Um. Mm-hmm. All in all, decent pay per view. What did you think of it for our first pay per review? Thought it was good. Yeah, I thought I, I, I really thought it was enjoyed cool. it. I'm very glad that people wrote in. Yeah. Uh, hey guys, thank you so much for actually writing in. Really, thank you. Watching it on WWE Network and writing in and letting us know what you think because that made me so happy. I was like yeah. so excited to read your guys' email we and re- being able to read them on air and yeah. everything. We really thought we were gonna get two responses, yeah, no, if to, if any. To have a few people do it, and I know there were more people who watched it out there who didn't write. That's totally fine. Yeah. Just so you guys know, that's totally fine too. But. Thank you very much for emailing us and letting us know what you thought about this pay-per-view. Even if it was brief and short or longer form, yeah. totally fine with that. That'll wrap up our pay-per-review. Number one of WWE we did No it. Mercy 2003. Kind of a weird pay-per-view. It was. But I'm excited about WrestleMania. Yes. Hell yeah. I, I like these I like these things. The idea for me is, is I want to put out something when we do these that mm. makes people watch something they wouldn't watch otherwise. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, to revisit something that maybe they loved. I wanted because, like, that's what I would look for in this type of podcast. Mm-hmm. So I think we did that. Yeah. I think we put up, nobody was going to go back and watch No Mercy <laughs> 2003. Why would you? Right. But but now a few people did, and yeah. I think that's cool because yeah. you're watching something you would have never watched. And it makes it really easy with WWE Network, too. It does. So. So. Guys, thank you very much thank for you. tuning in to this episode of The Go Home Show. We'll be back with regularly scheduled programming after this. Maybe we'll do another paper review in another five episodes or something, or maybe we'll do a different kind of show. Maybe we'll have a guest on. Who maybe knows? we'll have a call-in show. <gasps> Who knows what will happen? Who even know? Yep, but that will do it for us. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, goodbye. Have a nice day. Goodbye. The fuck was that? Uh, I'm done.